My name is Freddie Cruz, and this is a podcast for Houstonians who want to engage more with their hometown and learn about the people driving its growth. These are the stories about the businesses, organizations, and individuals that make the greater Houston area great. And for a moment, I want you to imagine that you come from a line of Americans who not only served as the first black generals in our nation's history, but also played a role in helping to desegregate the military. Imagine the story being told in a movie directed by George Lucas, but your family's name is completely left out. That's what happened to Doug Melville's family. In the book, Invisible Generals, he tells the story of his great-grandfather and grandfather, Ben Davis Sr. and Ben Davis Jr., the latter of whom is the namesake of Davis High School in Aldine ISD. During this episode, we discuss the importance of claiming our family's narratives, as well as why we should be more deliberate when naming things after people. Buy Invisible Generals wherever you buy your books. This episode is brought to you by My Agency Speak Podcasting, where we focus on helping businesses and nonprofits share their stories with the world through the art of podcasting. If you've ever wanted to be a guest on podcasts, or if you have an idea for a show but need some help getting it into the world, check us out at speakpodcasting.com. That is S-P-E-K-E podcasting.com. Hi, I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man Flo Rida with Freddie Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Freddie Cruz. Let's let you go pick Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddie and it's time to cruise through HTX. Doug, your grandfather has quite the epic story. It's second to none. He's a general in World War II, but also the reason why we have speed limits and not autobots. <laughs> yeah, the reason we have federal speed limits. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, I am in Texas. I hear there is one town that actually doesn't have a speed limit. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they loosened up a lot of the speed limits. You know, the, it was kind of like the Wild West. Every state had their own. Yeah. Benjamin O. Davis got everybody to unify under the Carter administration with the singular 55 yeah. MPH, the iconic sign. But then, you know, years, decades later, people went right back in and then separated it out by state. I definitely want to get to, all, all, all kidding aside, get to your 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 grandfather's story because it's um, it's heartbreaking, it's angering, it's frustrating that this stuff that we don't know these kinds of things. So it starts in the book, Invisible Generals, with a term that I've never heard before that I just love. It's generational collateral. So let's talk about what it is and how we, as individuals in our families, can take control of this collateral that we have. Yeah, um, the, I open up with a chapter about generational collateral that really talks about as all of us live every day, we raise our families, we live in our communities, we met very often forget that we are actually the receipts of our ancestors' journeys. We are actually the product of where they wanted to live, what they wanted to do, what careers they wanted to fashion. So the opening of the book is to really say there is no story that I'm telling about the invisible generals if there isn't their father, you know, who worked, you know, under the late 1800 time period. And if he didn't get an opportunity and that opportunity wasn't passed to his son, to his son, to my dad, to me, 
all the story doesn't even connect. So I think sometimes we can start really wide and think about all the great things that happen in the world, but really narrow what is the generational collateral our family work for and can we use it as inspiration. Yeah, and I love I love receipts of our ancestors' journeys and to me it, it's it's not just the important stuff like what what has transpired throughout your family's history. I mean, we're talking about two men who served under eight different presidential administrations, one of them responsible for the for the what is the border between China and Taiwan. Hello, kind of a big deal. And but um it goes to just the everyday stuff that leads to the big thing. So it could be something as as simple as a conversation uh or a walk in the park with the family dog that leads to something beyond something that we can imagine. Yeah, and I think, you know, when I started hearing this story from my dad, it does work just like that. A lot of times the older people in your family, the patriarch of your family doesn't want to talk about it. The silent generation, we've heard the term, but it could be trauma, it could be privacy, it could be more of the military code that what we do over here stays over here because the atrocities of war. But what I'm saying is it's our responsibility, Freddie, it's our responsibility to say we, before the stories are lost and gone, need to sit down with those in our living room and ask them, what were your lived experiences can I know our history? And then if you have the motivation or inspiration or find your purpose in it, can you go back in time to go through the archives to try to put that together? And maybe that'll find a new center for you and your lived journey and where you're going in the future. Let's say, Doug, somebody says, all right, fine. Okay, I'll start documenting. But where do I even begin? Is it really as easy as just talking? And for somebody, you know, I, I feel like I feel like I know the answer. Uh, we're kind of in the same space. But for somebody who's who's listening, is like, yeah, blah 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 blah, document, yeah, 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 yeah. No, but finally, they're sold on it. What do they What do they do? Well, the second half of the book is is how to become a visible general, and we actually document all the different areas. I asked so many different people. I worked with museums, presidential libraries, and that may not be everybody's family that you could just go to you know, museums and find files. But it started with me talking to my dad. It started with me going down the wormhole of Google with family names. It then continued on going to eBay to find old photos, yearbooks, things from schools and universities that someone may have at auction. Then after you get to that part, you go down YouTube, Look for videos, interviews. There's tons and tons and thousands of hours that you just don't know. But the thing is, the biggest resource is T-I-M-E. This takes a lot of time. And I think in an um, unintended consequence personally for me of COVID was allowing myself the time when everything had calmed down globally as related to movement to go into the archives, but also, Freddie, on the other side of that, a lot of museums had a lot of archives, a lot of high schools, colleges that they had never scanned in. And during COVID, many of these items were now put searchable. So there is a lot of resources out there. It's just, it really takes that one one ingredient of time in order to get started. And, and actually, the other part of it is you just don't know where it's going to lead. 
you know, I mean, yeah, you could say you're going to look for family things, but if you talk to a real documentarian, they will tell you that the, the key to a great documentary is knowing that you will only understand the beginning. Mm. <laughs> and then because once you start yeah. looking for things, they'll tell you, we didn't know where it was going to end. We didn't know where this was going to go because it's part of it. I just think that it's hard with limited resources today for people to overcommit to it. And I think, you know, my journey started quite humbly and small for the first three years. You know, a thing here, a weekend, you know, you kind of fit it in where it goes. And then you start hitting milestones or finding something or someone contacts you. Then that's actually where you get a little bit more interest, a little bit more momentum. And then you kind of go and go and go. And then hopefully at the end of it, you know, you actually have a story that you feel comfortable with and that you feel can help you or maybe it doesn't help you at all, but it informs you in a way that you could inspire yourself to move past it because, um, you know, not too long ago, someone says, well, if I look at my story, maybe I don't like what my ancestors did. You know, they said, you know, maybe maybe my story is equally as a nightmare as yours was revolutionary. And for that, I say, still go in, you know, know the information. Maybe this becomes something that's a cause. Maybe you look to rebuild your family's purpose. Maybe you redefine the legacy. You just don't know until you get the information. Absolutely. And the other thing, too, is that while we cannot control what, what they did or did not do, what they said, what they did not say, uh, how much they hurt our family members, uh, people in their community, et cetera, et cetera. We can control our own narrative, and we can still be thankful for the fact that, well, you know what? Um, okay, maybe our great grandparents might have not been the most upstanding individuals, but without them, I wouldn't even have this life. Um, if it were not for their existence, I wouldn't even be here. Mm-hmm to have the luxury of complaining about them. And now I can do something about it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's how we have to look at it. You know, people sacrificed a lot for us that we don't really realize or even know. I mean, I don't even think it's in our purview. So I think this is important to realize that this is a real opportunity. And as we approach Veterans Day, for me, I said, the more I learn about veterans, the more I realize that their stories are in the public domain, the more I see that we are not servicing veterans we are not supporting veterans and this is just overall so every little bit counts and it's everyone's responsibility to do what they can in their community maybe it's donate time maybe it's tell your story maybe it's speak at a school go to a va go to a vfw outpost but the important thing is make it part of your thought and then when you have it there find activities that you could realistically do and hopefully duplicate more than once. Absolutely. And really, Doug, the the whole reason why we're here is because of something that wasn't documented. The story wasn't told. It it wasn't even, it it was completely misrepresented. It was the, the movie Red Tails, which, you know, we all celebrated as this great work of art that uh, shone a light on the Tuskegee Airmen, which, if you read the book Invisible Generals, it's about Doug's grand, about his grandfather, right? But the movie didn't reflect that. Yeah. So, so basically, um, how this this whole kind of project or passion of mine got started, and what was the impetus for me to write the book was, 
2011, I was invited to a screening of the movie Red Tails, which was honorable. Um, the centerpiece and patriarch of our family was General Benjamin O. Davis Jr. He was the commander of the Red Tails. And in the movie, he's played by Terrence Howard, who's the commander of the Red Tails. But when Terrence Howard walked out on screen, he was addressed in the film as Colonel Bullard, not Colonel Davis. So I looked around because we often say Tuskegee Airmen, but we may not know actual individuals' mm-hmm. names. You know, we just don't know. We know them as a group or a collective, an ensemble, not as individuals. But many people who even don't know too much about it know that the commander was Colonel Davis. So when his name was changed, you know, I was looking around to see if anybody knew. No one seemed to know. I went to the after party. I'm asking around. People just kept telling me the same answer, Freddie. This is Hollywood. It's not a documentary. This is an amalgamation of different characters. This is a story, Douglas. This is not a documentary piece. And it seemed to me that that's okay from their perspective. But for me, I went home and talked to my dad. I said, Dad, can you, you know, they removed the names. I was furious. And my dad says to me, Doug, if you think removing the names is bad, why don't I tell you the real story of the family? And this was over constant conversations because he kept giving me bits and pieces. But ultimately, he shared with me the story of the Invisible Generals, which are Ben Davis Jr. and Ben Davis Sr. The proper titles were General Benjamin O. Davis Jr. and General Benjamin O. Davis Sr. And at the start of World War II, they were the only two black officers in the entire military out of 335,000 people, and they were a father and a son. Ben Davis Jr. didn't have children of his own, so at seven, he raised his oldest nephew, who was my dad, as his only son. And my dad shared with me all the things that they had went through, all the lived experiences of Tuskegee, all the different stories going from different military base to military base, and shared how they lived a life of invisibility out of fear, out of people putting them in a corner because of their race, not physically, but mentally and from a career perspective. He shared with me the story that Ben Davis Jr. went to West Point for four years without having one human being talk to him outside the line of duty. And on his second day, all the cadets got together and said, we will treat him as if he's invisible until he drops out, and how his dad, Ben Davis Sr., worked in the military for 50 years and became a general, the first black general in American history, but was unable to command white troops because the military was segregated, so he was an invisible general. And that spurred this whole movement within me to say, I need to write this story because it's too unbelievable to be real. And the world needs to realize that it's not just black fighter pilots. There's a story of how they came to be. And there's a story that continued well after they stopped fighting. And we needed to tell that story. It almost seems like this is a blessing in disguise. It was. (laughs) Like, okay, George Lucas fictionalizes the, the, the story and leaves your family's name out of it. And you're like, wait a minute. 
That's our, that's my family. I can control the narrative now. But I mean, how I want to know how did you stay so calm and cool and collected that you made it through the movie and then we're asking questions at the cocktail party at the after party and then you're getting the I mean, I would be just fuming beyond beyond control. Well, you know, Freddie, the funny thing, and that's such a great question, because the funny thing, Freddie, is when they showed us the screening, they had shared with us that there was going to still be edits, and this wasn't the final cut. It was an advanced screening. So all I kept asking myself was, can you change the names this late? You know, I, I because that was the way it was presented, I wasn't sure if Maybe when the movie came out in the real life, which was only three months later, maybe the names would be, be real or maybe, you know, they would have changed something. So part of me didn't want to jump to conclusions because this wasn't the final, final mm. cut. But then when I ended up seeing the final, final cut, it was so close to what I saw that there was really no noticeable difference from my memory of the final cut and then the screening. And that's really when I got motivated to do it because at that time, you just didn't know how this would all play out until the final version was in the world. So that was in 2011. And then a year after, Mm -hmm. Ben Davis High School here in the Houston area opens. And I feel it highlights the importance of how deliberate a community, a city, a state, a country um, should be when naming things after after people, which is something that I know you've discussed and written about. Um, why should someone who mm-hmm. doesn't pay attention to these sort of things change their tune? Well, you know, it's crazy because um, when the Aldean School District in Houston, Texas was looking to name one of their high schools, they have a naming structure that it had to be named after a general. And my cousin, Daniel Burns, who's a resident of Houston, and Trey Burns, he's another cousin of mine, they're brothers and sisters, they live in Houston with a huge part of my family, is from Houston and lives in Houston. Uh, She was working for a museum, and she was the one who took the lead to propose the name and get the name signed off on and cut the ribbon to the name, but we never really looked farther into it than that you know she was just so happy it was named after the family and she was so happy the Aldean school district had agreed to use the name and and leverage the name Benjamin O. Davis Jr. but behind the scenes even when I went to that school for me personally and this is positive again but me personally wanted to know you know how does the high school support the family do we work closer with the high school you know, and those things just started to come together recently with the book. When we contacted the high school, we contacted other schools with Ben Davis's name on it and said, we're the family, and now we want to get involved in the school. Mm-hmm. So the Aldean School District was actually a great example, and I think you hit it on the head. These things are coming in the universe, and what we're doing is just trying to ensure that we go one step farther to make sure it's accurately told and the thought is completed. So everything that we see is just an opportunity to evolve and improve on it. And I'm so appreciative of my cousin, and we always talk about it, and she goes, you know, I, even then, she learned more about the story since then, and now we're really motivated to say, you know, this is a time to talk about these names, and, 
you know, even the students don't know necessarily whose name is on their school. So uh, next week I'll be going down and, and speaking in Houston, going to Benjamin O. Davis High School and speaking to the faculty, the staff, the parents of certain students and saying, do you actually know anything about the man's name on the wall? You know, the school is called the Generals, and it's called the Ben Davis Generals is their uh, mascot or their, um, you know, kind of mark. And I just want to ask people, do you know who this man is? And really have a chance to tell people their real story like I'm telling you, because it's important to not only write the story so you can take control of it, but to speak the story so people know where they are and who these names are that we just walk by every day and may pay no attention to. Yeah. I mean, why why are we called the generals? It's more than just a cool name. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? We don't know. You know, Freddie, I don't know where you went to high school, but you know, I went just to Notre Dame High School in Connecticut, but you know, if there wasn't a Notre Dame college, I don't think I ever would have looked up what Notre Dame was. Yeah, You know, the history behind the name, you just go to school and you just say, hey, I go to this school, you know, and I don't know where you went to high school. Maybe there was a name on it. Climb Forest. Maybe you just really, yeah, okay. (laughs) There's no shame in it. You don't pay much attention to it, but it's a nice reminder like, hey, there's a really cool story behind this school that you go to. Did you know? Mm -hmm. And Hey, look, I'm familiar with the Aldine School District. I mean, I babysit, I babysat my cousin when you know he they lived out there, and I'm quite familiar with the demographic makeup. It's a lot of us, and for people who are not looking at us, you're black, I'm brown. There's a lot of us over there, and it would be nice to know that it's named after somebody who was a World War II freaking general and a really all-around awesome human being that comes from this incredible line of Americans. And it really, it should serve, serve as a standard um, that, hey, we, we our, our, our kind can do these incredible things and we're not, we're not typecast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes you do have to see something to believe something. Yeah. You know, you cannot be what you do not see is the statement that sometimes people use. And I think if students knew who these people were, it wouldn't hurt. You know, (laughs) I can tell you that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, So this year, so Veterans Day, it's this Saturday. Doug is going to be in town speaking at Davis High School, which is incredible. But this year, it's the 75th anniversary of military integration by President Truman, and the Davis family plays a huge, huge part of that. You can thank the Davis family for the speed limit. And of course, we got the book. It is Invisible Generals in stores wherever you get your fine literature. And uh, I really hope you do get the book. Doug, my friend, thank you so much for coming by the podcast today. Thank you so much, Freddie. And also, if I could say, I will be speaking and we will be hosting an event open to the public at the Buffalo Soldiers Museum in Houston. So this was just added. We're going to be there at 6 p.m. on Thursday the 16th, and we're hosting a mixer with drinks, with food, with a signing to really help inspire people and share. We're going to have the main primary room at the Buffalo Soldiers Museum, so it would be great if people could come down. More importantly, or equally as importantly, it would be great if you could come down. If you're in Houston, I'd love to meet you in real life, 
But I think the more that we know, the more we can grow. And I appreciate the time today to come on your amazing podcast and support you in your efforts to bring more stories. And I would love to meet you and, and any of your listeners who are available next Thursday in Houston. Really appreciate that. So that's happening November 16th over at the Buffalo Soldiers Museum, which is an incredible facility. So uh, yes, we're going to put that up in the show notes too. Uh, Doug, thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much, Freddie. Hey, it's me. I'm back with a quick little nudge. If you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did putting it together for you, then please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and subscribe to the newsletter at cruisethroughhtx.com and share with your family and friends. Thank you.